Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Housing. My name is Brennan Thomas. I am the co-host here alongside Stephen Thomas, the chief economist and founder of Reports on Housing. Today, we will discuss the most recent news and statistics, as usual, how last year ended, more on affordability, what to expect in 2024, and how our housing market re uh, revolves around psychology. So, Stephen... First, I want to start by asking what's happening in the big Thomas household. Well, of course, we had all of the holidays and ushered in 2024. We normally do it uh, in, at our home and uh, stay up until midnight and then scurry everybody to bed because uh, we have a hike to do on January 1st. Our whole family goes on a, a New Year's Day hike and then we make our resolutions for the year. Now, our resolutions are ones that if we don't keep them, that we jump in the cold pool. Uh, and we, every single one of us jumped in the cold pool from the prior year. So it makes you really think about what you're going to put for your New Year's resolution. So we did that. And now it's birthdays. Then uh, we had one birthday on, on Wednesday. Uh, my, uh, my wife's birthday is this Sunday. And then my birthday is a week from Sunday. So it's birthday month of January as well. So busy, busy time of year. Then after that, we get to relax for a half a minute until we hit February and then a lot happens, a lot happens in February as well. How about you, Brennan? What's going on in your neck of the woods? Not much. Um, it's been following along soccer as usual. My team hasn't been doing as good, but they'll come around. I have faith. Um, other than that, just been busy with holidays, um, staying up all night for New Year's and just Enjoying the time that I had off and seeing all my friends and family, it was a it was a blast, and I had a really good time. So, Stephen, what's been happening in the real estate market with supply, demand, and expected market time? Well, this is like a choppy time of the year to make any uh, do any trend analysis because really, what the trend was is inventories and demand dropping to its lowest levels to start off the year. So, it did that. The difference is is there are fewer homes in all of SoCal and, uh, compared to last year at this time to start off the year. <laughs> Unlike the rest of the United States, it uh, might not quite be there, but we are uh, definitely hitting a really low level number of available homes, as well as the Bay Area has fewer homes to start off the year than last year at the beginning of the year. And we look at it, some other markets like Phoenix and Vegas and that. So we have less uh, inventory and demand is at very similar levels, which is we're looking at the last 30 days of pending sales activity. So even with fewer homes coming on the market, as well as fewer homes available, we still managed to put relatively the same number of pending sales in. So, and that's why, then that has a lot to do with where interest rates started, uh, ended at the end of the year. So uh, we, we, because we have fewer homes and a similar demand, the market's actually hotter this year. And that's really what the story is. The market is hotter to start off 2024 than it was in to start off 2023. That is the story. And that's what everybody should look at in projecting where do we go from here? Because really what happens is as uh, January uh, continues, we get into February, expected market times drop. So if we already have market times that are lower than last year at this time, and they're gonna drop further, it's gonna be even hotter than last year's spring market. And last year's spring market was pretty hot. So that's what it's all setting up to look like at the beginning of this year. 
this holiday market seemed a little bit unique, and I was wondering how would you describe uh, this past holiday season? Yeah, it's well. Now I've had two years in a row of these holiday markets where all of a sudden we peak late. We actually, you know, the inventories remain relatively high and they don't start coming down until later, which is not normal. And that had a, a lot to do with in 2022 we had rising rates up through November, and in this year in 2023 we had rising rates all the way up to, uh, you know, that were sticky high above seven percent until we got to like halfway through December, then all of a sudden we got this giant drop in, in rates. So we hit 8% in October, came down a little bit, but really have come down quite a bit since then. So the, those were made for an interesting holiday, holiday market where two years in a row we saw improvement in rates and actually the, uh, the markets got hotter as December uh, moved along. And by the time we got to the end of the year, it was pretty hot until we start this year. Then it jumps up because on January 1st, we have very little demand and we have very little inventory. And when you look at where the market times are, it's, it ends up being a lot higher than where it is later on in the month of January. So we begin the year off. If you're looking, it's a little bit, uh, it, it's, it's a little bit better than where it will be later on in January. It'll all of a sudden a whole bunch of buyers, they'll be done with their new year's resolutions. They'll no longer go to the gym and they're going to look for houses. And there's going to be more uh, buyers out there than there will be homes available. And uh, so that's that's kind of uh, what the holiday market looks like. Because the holiday market lasts till the first two weeks of this year. Uh, why do I put it at that two-week mark? Because that's when the data starts looking normal. And also you have still the distractions of a new year. Kids being out from school, a lot of them across the United States, including ours. And... Uh, then uh, then everything gets back to normal by the time you get to right around where my birthday is on the 14th. What economic readings have we seen this week and have they affected rates at all? Yeah, unfortunately. So uh, everything looks pretty good on the job opening side. Uh, that means job openings are coming down nicely. But then we had the, uh, we just, this is Jobs Friday, and we had the release of the jobs for December, and it was higher than expectations. And when you look at, when you look at the trend line, it looks like January, if, if you look at December of this year and look at the trend line, it kind of looked like January of last year. So uh, it, it, when, you, when you look at those, those, those two numbers, it means that most likely January is going to be less than expectations. It just gets choppy. Uh, the data on a monthly basis, and then they do revisions. But uh, you can't really go on one report. And I, there's already, there's what I call stupid talk. And you see it on CNBC right away. They're saying, oh, that, that's it. They're not going to be doing rate cuts uh, three times this year like they originally said. You, you get these stories off of one data point and it's absolutely ridiculous ludicrous to jump to those conclusions but that's what they have to do because they're in news so cnbc jumps all over these different articles for clickbait and for people to to look at it but we all know that in a in a moment's notice all of a sudden we could see that uh labor cracks or something else cracks and now we have uh the economy slowing and we really see rates come down so what happened today that was the big news this there has been a lot of data until this week we had the job stuff come out job open 
openings looked uh, looked much better, but then the number of jobs created for the month of December looked uh, too too hot. But that's all going to work its way out as everybody gets their credit card bills for the holidays. And that's coming up later on this month in January when they see those credit card statements across the United States cumulatively and they're running out of savings accounts, then all of a sudden there's gonna be a change in the pattern of spending and we'll see what happens uh, to the economy from there. Kind of contradicting what you were just talking about, is it possible for the economy to sort of come back to strong in reaction to the Fed not hiking, therefore increasing rates? Yeah, it... There, there are there. There's the possibility exists, but uh, we're looking at data lines like they're looking at data lines right now. They're they're too restrictive in where they're at. They know it. There, even a Fed president came out when the uh, when the job openings report came out and said some really funky things. And uh, shouldn't be even talking about it because they're too restrictive right now. They're just trying to ease everybody's expectations so that uh, the stock market and the bond markets don't get ahead of themselves. They need to stop talking, period. But um, as far as where we see trend lines, no, I've mentioned it. It's savings accounts. It's depleted uh, excess savings from stimulus packages is going away and they're not saving enough and then you have credit card debt and you mix all that together and that's the consumer. The consumer across the United States is gonna be a little bit more careful as 2024 progresses. Does it mean they're careful right off the bat and, and at the end of this month? Well, maybe not, but it'll get to that point where it's going. they're gonna be more careful. More careful means less discretionary spending, maybe not going out to restaurants every week, maybe every other week, maybe once a month, that type of thing. That will put a damper on consumer spending, which will overall slow the economy, which means you don't need as many jobs, which just there's a number of factors. It's like dominoes. And then we'll see the easing of credit. And uh, that's to come when when e credit eases, that speeds up housing because now uh, overall, we're not going to see a lot of job loss in the uh, where, where households are concerned. We're going to see them more in the restaurant industry and you know everything that's more discretionary spending like i talked about and those aren't your your typical home home buyers now i know this is late news for you and i but in october the recent case really revealed that prices jumped at the highest rate of 2023 on the other hand the freddie mac home price index or the um, fm hpi was up 6.3 percent in november what can we expect for November's national numbers for Case Thriller and how are the Freddie Mac, HPI, and Case Thriller different? Yeah, well, Freddie Mac is a monthly reading and they go back and they revise other months constantly. Uh, when you look at the series, they, they, they're trying to fine tune their uh, data points where they actually find to tune it going back to like 1972. I mean, that's, and they do it every single month that they do it. So uh, in looking at it, uh, Case Shiller is more of it, it doesn't change as much. It's really old and slow. We're looking at October and Case Shiller is three months. So it would be uh, August, September, October. The next one for coming out for November will be September, October, November. And it's so it's uh, rolling three months, but that rolling three months is so old by the time it reaches it. We already know where it's going to be. We look at median, even median sales price is more accurate than Case Schiller in knowing where we currently are in looking at median averages over the last several months to kind of give you an indicator. 
because it, it it's very close to where we are right now. But then you just mentioned it, Freddie Mac, uh, home price index is probably the one, and that's the one that I like to go to uh, because it's the most recent one. It's very, very close. It's November. Nobody has December's data yet. Uh, I, we have a sneak peek at December's data, but it doesn't really, uh, it's not really like baked in until we get to right right around the second week of, uh, of the month. So even if we're looking at it right now, it's not real data. It's going to grow from what we're seeing right now. So I like to look at the most recent data, which means that, yeah, it's going to be up for November. For the year, it's up. Everybody knows that. So then that was the big question. What are we going to be like in 2024? And all indicators, including our forecast, is up. Just depends upon how and when the economy slows, like we're talking about, the difference between spring, summer, or fall. And based upon that is when we get a more heated housing market. As 2023's affordability was uh, the least affordable since 2013, Clever conducted a study where 93% of recent home buyers have regrets of their purchases. Note that this is among only people they surveyed. It does not represent the entire nation. But Stephen, do you think this is due to unaffordability? And is there more to be optimistic about for as um, a prospective buyer in 2024? Well, a lot of people purchase houses based upon the notion that they're going to be able to refinance down the road. And when rates go the wrong direction, it really it, 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 it makes you think, uh-oh, I'm not going to be able to refinance my house. And then they go on, then they listen to all these doomer and gloomers and people say lots of dumb things about rates and they'll be at 9%, 10%. They've been higher before the, uh, you know, the the neutral rates of where they should be is higher than what everybody expects. That's what they're talking about for the Federal Reserve. So interest rates should be higher long term. And then it makes people go, uh-oh, I'm never going to be able to refinance. I'm stuck in this in, in this uh, house at a much higher rate and uh, it'll be unaffordable for a long time or I'll be stretching. We'll never be able to take nice vacations, that type of thing. So when rates go the wrong direction, people get really negative. And but when rates go the right direction, so that's the month of October, uh, it, you know, is probably when they did a lot of the surveying. You get to now and look what happened. It, things have totally changed. <laughs> I, I have so many that snuck onto the set. <laughs> if you're seeing not seeing this on and on the podcast that uh, because you're listening to it, uh, Zeke, who's going to turn six next month, just ran in here right now just to say hello because he hears his brother and his dad speaking. So uh, that's that's what's going on in the background. Why why I'm giggling? But as far as clever is concerned, uh, the you know that is. Uh, it's like old news. You knew that people would be negative in October. Interest rates hit 80%. Uh, everybody's going to be... I was negative as far as, ah, darn it, shouldn't have got that that high. The Fed was also a negative on everything. They didn't think it should be all the way at 8% either. It was, too, it was getting way too restrictive. It was going to cause some sort of recession. Things would break. And so you ask people at the exact time, yeah, you're going to get a lot of people that are going to regret it. And it makes big, fat news headlines. A lot of people originally, they don't understand homeownership, especially first-time homebuyers. It's a lot more expensive than they originally had anticipated. So it takes a while for them to get into groove. But then after a while, after you've owned for a while and your payment stays the same over time, and now you're looking you feel like a rock star. Oh my gosh, my payment hasn't changed at all and rents have gone up. 
you know, XX percent. And, uh, but mine's still fixed and now I can, you know, go wherever I want in vacation, that type of thing. So, uh, that, that happens down the road. So, uh, I see these kind of headlines and I, I giggle. The topic of unaffordability, the median age for purchasing a home jumped to 49. Also in Manhattan, New York, 67.9% paid all cash for their homes in the fourth quarter of 2023 when purchasing a home. Can both of these data points be attributed to unaffordability itself, or is there something else in the mix? Yeah, unaffordability really creates this uh, pathway for cash to enter in. And also when you have 8% interest rates and the higher interest rates, you're, you're precluding a lot of the United States from being able to purchase a home. So who can enter into that vacuum? Well, cash. Cash doesn't care about where mortgage rates are. So that they become a higher percentage when interest rates jump higher and higher and higher. As we saw, I mean, we saw many markets that, that uh, were above 30%. And there's, uh, you, you bring up a, a great example of really, really high in New York because uh, there's a lot of money in New York. So uh, you're, they're gonna, there's going to be more cash anyways. But this is going to be, these data points are going to be even higher right now. They're going to get better as interest rates fall. So that's we look at the the other side of that a. And as far as the median age is concerned, median age has been going up anyways because the baby boomers have been participating because they have the most uh, they they have the the most equity in their homes. And when they have a lot of equity, they're so equity rich, some of them own their homes free and clear. It enables them to go ahead and sell and buy something else. So uh, their age is a lot higher. So they're bringing up the, uh, they're, they're bringing up the averages. And people are form, formulating houses later. They're getting married later. So it used to be back in the day that people got married, the average age way back was 21 years old was the average age. And now it's all the way up to 31 years old. Well, when you're creating households later, those averages are are, are going to uh, make their way higher, which is what we're seeing. They'll be artificially even more higher because of all the equity of the people that are able to, uh, equity uh, of uh, the baby boomers that are able to do something and sell and then go purchase something else. So those those two factors are, are what's driving that. People are now creating chatter about modular construction, making a comeback after a century to help fix the affordability crisis. Stephen, can you explain what modular construction is and if it can help the crisis at hand? Yeah, so uh, modular construction are, um, it's just a fancy way of <laughs> it's mobile homes. <laughs> <laughs> modular construction, uh, mobile homes, parks. And yeah, you know what? There's been a lot of advances in mobile homes, uh, mobile home parks over the last course of 100 years. And uh, when you look at these mobile homes, when they put them together, they look remarkably like a brand new home. So you could see the appeal of, of them. It's just, it's where do they put them in these mobile home parks? Some of them are are, are uh, being retrofitted so that they look a little bit, uh, look, look a little bit more modern. And uh, there are other new uh, areas. It's just a, another pathway to home ownership. And do I see this continuing? Uh, actually, I do kind of see it continuing, but it's a matter of in certain areas, you have no place to stick them. 
um, and like along Southern California or the Bay Area, there's not a lot of dirt to stick to stick the these modular homes in. And unfortunately, you have to the, the local governments. This nimbyism of not having mobile home parks is is more prevalent today than it was back then a hundred years ago. And that's people. Yeah, while we want to we want to fix this uh, this crisis of not enough homes available, but we don't want it here. You can go build that someplace else. That's the not in my backyard nimbyism that that occurs all over the place. It's going to bring in the wrong element, and that's it, just all these excuses that are just absolutely false that aren't true that uh it's just scare tactics and then you have a, a bunch of council members that that then raise their hands and and a lot of them just choose not to have that that kind of product in their backyard so uh and then you have to legislate your way out of it through like states they'll have to legislate to make sure that there's a certain number of of uh lower lower income available housing and this answers the bell to people in the lower income thresholds and in being able to get into properties and if you if you look at like our our area if you have a median sales price of like 1.1 million dollars on average that's the average house not a lot of people can afford afford that in the lower end so where do they go you got to create something even in these mobile home parks you know they're still paying like 400 grand for these which is what people are paying across the united states so you can see definitely uh that there there is a need for them and hopefully hopefully we legislate our way around that to make sure that we at least answer the bell for some people to be able to still purchase and own uh, a property in even more expensive areas like where we are today. So with economics, a lot of what we look at are facts like statistics and data. Now, when we look for predictions and how people behave, is it safe to say we also use mental decisions like psychology um, for predictions? Absolutely. And this is the this is why it's it's so fun doing what we do. Because yes, there is definitely going to be a psycho psychology, a psychological uh, factor to any decision that people make. We saw it in 2022. People just sat back and wanted to do nothing. They wanted to sit back and do absolutely nothing and not purchase in 2022 because rates were going up so high that I can't purchase right now because you know what? I heard that housing is going to crash and rates are going to continue to go up. And why would I want to get in when things are crashing? This is reminiscent of the Great Recession right before every you purchased it in 2005 and it was the exact wrong time to purchase. And then I lost my shirt or I heard people that lost their shirt. So you had a psychological factor that that definitely entered into the equation in 2022. And then when rates stopped and actually eased a little bit, people were going, wait a minute, it's not going, going as bad as what some people were saying. And then we had the same issue that in 2023 where interest rates came up a little bit, but it didn't create that same psychological issue. So you have to see this shock and awe of the way that the, the markets move. And that happened at the starting of, of COVID as well. There was a big psychological factors to that. So there are psychological factors that at play. And one of them is this one thing that people miss all the time. And this is this silver tsunami that people talk about. The psychological factor to that is people don't want to give up their home. They've lived in their home. They've raised kids in their home. They don't want to give up their home. And there's this there's this whole industry that is uh, that has been wrapped up around people staying in their home. 
and and a aging in their uh, where they're at. It's called aging in place. It's a whole industry that is revolved around. If people are going, well, how are they going to get upstairs? Well, we've seen those those commercials of them going up the stairs. There's elevators. There's tiny little elevators. There's different things that can be done. There's a a lot. Uh, a lot to be said about aging in place, which is going to mean that, yeah, we're going to get a f more people as uh, the uh, baby boomers get older and older that actually have to sell their home or actually turn it over to their kids and their kids figure out what they want to do. Some people move into the house, some people sell them. So it's not even going to be this wave. And it's only going to start to increase in 2030 based upon what we're looking at. And But you, you have to understand that you can see that psychological factor too. Dude, I don't want to leave my house and that was what people didn't factor at all people said that there were people are gonna downsize really where are you getting that yeah there's gonna be a lot of people baby boomers that's the biggest uh they're living longer they're definitely gonna downsize this is gonna be a silver tsunami of people buying houses or selling houses on the flip side of that they're gonna be buying houses too which is kind of funny so yes they'd add, add the inventory but they'd also go buy so Anyway, uh, there is a lot of psychological factors that play into uh, how we look at data. And you have to, you have to kind of look, peel the onion back and kind of look at it from those angles as well. Looking at 2024, is there a possibility of prices falling or would you say that they will continue to increase in this new year? Our forecast is for them to go up. There is a only, there is a potential and, and we give it about a 5% chance, right? That 5% chance is that the mark that the economy remains too hot and uh, we don't really start to see the economy crack until uh, the fall. If that happens and we get too many reports, which doesn't look like any of the numbers that we're looking at, but if that kind of thing happens, then yeah, we can get higher rates. And as we get higher rates, there'll, there'll be some people that place their homes on the market. They'll be sitting for longer before they become buyers. And it's just going to create uh, a little bit more, in, more inventory. And we could see values come down slightly, only slightly. I, I think our prediction is down zero to 3%. So it's so slight, but that's not what our our, our uh, most likely case is actually it happens in the springtime. Second, most likely is, is, uh, summer that's 95 percent chance that it's going to go up and it could go up by a lot if we start to see cracks in uh these statistics by the time we uh in, we're in spring so by the time we're in like april if we start seeing those those cracks then and we see rates come down look out cook out we're going to have quite the year and we're going to have probably the highest uh amount of uh of increase in home values that that it will rival kind of like what we saw this last year for the United States. There'll be some areas where it'll be quite hot. It'll be, it could it almost get to double digits with the, the kind of like what we're looking at in some, some specific areas. According to Lawrence Yun, uh, one of the uh, economists at NAR, he said that there is a chance for inventory to increase as much as 30% in comparison to last year. Um, what would you say your prediction is as far as this goes? Yeah, I actually don't think we're going to see an increase in inventory and it could be less than what we saw. The only, two, the only way that we get more inventory than last year is if it happens later on in the, in the year, like what I was talking about, like the fall or later, you know, the, like halfway through summer or on. Yeah, we can get a little bit more of a buildup of inventory. However, what he is re actually refer referring to and NAR refers to inventory as 
available number of homes and pending sales. So as far as available active listing inventory, we are still going to be dealing with very, very low inventory, no increases of 30%. And uh, we're not gonna get that increase in, in inventory. It's gonna be limited, slim pickings for quite some, uh, quite some time. And as a matter of fact, if uh, what we think is gonna happen and we see this, this, uh, the economy cool in, uh, during the springtime, we're gonna get inventory that doesn't make its way up to where we were in 2023, so we'll, we'll be even less, and which will cause problems for 2025. But we're not getting into 2025. We're getting ahead of ourselves when I start talking about that. We know that Austin and the Bay Area both have been the talk of the town when it comes to uh, gloom and doom. Can we expect changes for those two places, or what do you see happening in 2024? Yeah, uh, the... The only way I see much of a change where it gets better for them is if interest rates uh, come down in the spring and that's where the economy slows in the spring. It sounds counterintuitive. Economy is slowing, but the housing market's uh, getting better. That's what happens. Economy slows, interest rates become more favorable, interest rates drop. And typically what a lot of economists, not even housing analysts say that real estate is the one that brings everybody out of the, it brings the United States out of recession. We're not talking recession, we're just talking about a slowdown. And what brings the United States out of a slowdown is an increase in activity within the uh, housing, housing market. And that is what can happen. If it happens in the spring, that's where you're gonna see uh, th those markets like Austin. And, and when they refer to the Bay Area though, that just chaps my hide because I look at all the Bay Area and they're referring to just San Francisco. It's a tiny little county out of the nine counties that we track. And if you look at other areas, Silicon Valley isn't even in San Francisco. It's in, it's in uh, Santa Clara. And Santa Clara is... Uh, ritzy, expensive, and the speed of the market is very much similar to the rest of SoCal, and so are the other seven counties other than San Francisco. San Francisco is the one that uh, slowed down uh, the most out of everything when you compare it to inventories to prior to 2000, uh, you know, prior to the pandemic, when you're looking at two, two, 2019. And that's what you're also getting in Boise. That's what you're getting in Austin, everybody that's making those headlines. But uh, you got to look at the full picture for the Bay Area as well. That just just upsets me that when we talk about the Bay Area all the time, it's just San Francisco County. Gosh, gosh, the rest of everybody goes up there to Santa Clara and goes, I thought this was supposed to be, you know, uh, more inventory. And we're, even in 2019, there wasn't a lot of inventory in San Francisco for Pete's sake. So you go all the way back to the Great, Re Great Recession, that's where we had inventory. So when people are saying back to 2019 levels, that's not a lot of inventory. But with current interest rates where they're at, you're going to create a slow market based upon, uh, based upon where interest rates are at. So it feels a little more sluggish in just San Francisco, in just Austin, not other areas, in just Boise, Idaho, not, not the rest of I Idaho. So to end on a more positive note, uh, news that just came from Redfin, they announced that the U.S. housing payment is down roughly $400 from its October peak. If rates keep dropping, how affordable can 2024 truly be? Well, you can see that's from coming at 8% all the way down to, you know, just 
uh, below 7%, if you go down from 7% down to 6%, you're looking at saving even more. So that's real true, true solid facts. And that's for the median home across the United States, $400. If you're looking at in, in uh, SoCal or the Bay Area, like what, what we were talking about, that savings is is even larger. It is a lot larger because of the magnitude of the price uh, when interest rates come down. So you can imagine when interest rates come down another percent, you're just getting, it's just creating a, a much more affordable housing stock and a lot more buyers will enter in at that, that time uh, as well. So that's just the beginning of what we see in 2024. It's just, we got it at the end of December. Now we're at the start of January. This is just the taste of where it could go as interest rates go down lower, is low, lower cost to own home ownership and being able to afford more home. So it's, which is good for housing. We finally need good news because last year was the bottom of the, we were scraping the bottom as far as everything else was concerned. Thank you again for everyone tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Housing. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the real estate industry across Southern California or the Bay Area, feel free to check out our YouTube or subscribe today at reportsonhousing.com. And please, please leave us a good review. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to us on any of our social media or you can email me at info at reportsonhousing.com. We will see you soon and have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you.